This episode of Wrestling Wind Down is sponsored by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. There are so many amazing wrestling shows coming up, and why not get the best bang for your buck? Wrestling Wind Down listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek by using our code WWDCAST. Again, that's WWDCAST. Now, let's dive into the newest episode of Wrestling Wind Down. Cheers! The views and opinions expressed here on Wrestling Wind Down are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, organization, employer, or company. What's up, guys? It's Lo, and you are tuned in to Wrestling Wind Down, a female founded and hosted podcast dedicated to professional wrestling and our favorite adult beverage. So many wrestling fans, myself included, are huge fans of wrestling art. We have so many amazing creators within our community that make some amazing pieces day in and day out. I am so honored to be joined by Rob Schamberger. You have probably seen Rob's art on WWE Shop, WWE Auction, his website Schamberger Labs, or even in the background of our videos. Rob has created over a thousand illustrations of WWE superstars and legends, including The Undertaker, John Cena, Bianca Belair, Asuka, Becky Lynch, and his top seller, Alexa Bliss, to name a few. Rob is sharing his experiences about being an artist and when he knew wrestling art was his passion. We'll also be talking about Rob's fandom as a wrestling fan and what it meant to him to receive that call from WWE about working with them. We'll also be talking about Rob. Rob's installations that he's had at numerous WrestleManias and what future projects we can look forward to. So grab your glass of wine. We're going in for the three count. honored to have Rob Schamberger here. You've probably seen his art on WWE Shop, YouTube, fan pages. He is one of the most creative wrestling artists, in my opinion, that we have within our community. Rob, welcome to Wrestling Wind Down. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. When did you start creating art? Was it something that you just started when you were younger or did it come along within your adult life? Uh, Definitely started young. I was probably seven or eight years old. Uh, I got my first comic book and just knew like in that moment, I want to do this. Like people get to do this. I want to be one of these people and and just never let go of it uh, throughout school and then into adulthood, just kept with it. What subjects did you gravitate towards when you originally got into art? Comic books uh, originally, more on the illustration side. And over time, especially into high school, I started experimenting quite a bit more with other mediums. And my teachers like, yes, we get it. You want to do comics, but let's teach you some fundamentals too. So uh, learning a lot of that stuff. And so like painting became more predominant for me over time. But even with a lot of my, especially my ink and watercolors, what I do with the ink, you can see the comic book roots there, I think. When did you have that aha moment where you knew you wanted to start illustrating wrestlers? Well, when I was still trying to do comic books and graphic novels, I was working on one. Uh, I would have been in my, I, I want to say like late 20s working on that. And it didn't, I just 
couldn't get it off the ground. And that was actually where I realized like comic books weren't my future, uh, which was pretty rough, but I was doing uh, like paintings on the side just to continue to grow as an artist. And so I had these all over the apartment and my then girlfriend, now wife, Katie had a friend that had a gallery that someone like at the last second pulled out of their show and which apparently happens all the time uh and <laughs> i know i know and katie was like hey my boyfriend has all these paintings sitting around like we can put them in some frames and and i'm like oh people don't want to see those comic books are my real thing and the the gallery uh show my first solo one actually did really good like I sold some paintings first time out and I started keeping with that, but I still like had to have a day job to pay for my art career. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to find a way to stand out. And that was where I started using the, the mindset that as artists, we're also small business owners, you know, we're selling goods and services as right. artists. And I, I was like, well, I need to start marketing like, uh, a business owner as well. And a marketing shorthand that I came across was that you need at least one of three things to stand out, to be the first at something, to be the best, or to be completely different. And my gallery work, like the subject matter I was doing, like there were a lot of other artists really ingrained within those spaces. And we had just gone to WrestleMania 24. And I remember looking around it, I think it was like 65, 75,000 people, depending on which wrestling math you use. <laughs> and um, <laughs> like, we were up at the very top and we spent 50 bucks a ticket. And I'm like, oh, this is a market. There's people that are passionate about this. And there has to be, you know, this Venn diagram of people that love wrestling and artwork as well. And I'm like, oh, this is it. And that's when it really took off, which was, I guess, about 10 years ago now. Wow. Do you remember the first wrestler that you illustrated? <laughs> Way before I even started thinking about it seriously, I had done a drawing of John Cena for Katie um, <laughs> for <laughs> a, uh, and then did like a, like a screen transfer of it onto a, a shirt for oh, her. Oh, awesome. As, yeah. As a present. And that was like, way back in the day, like 15 years ago, I guess. But when I started getting serious about it, it was either CM Punk or Harley Race uh, was the first one I did as kind of proof of concept mm -hmm. for doing this both for myself. And I did a Kickstarter to start out with on this that was so successful, I was able to like quit my job and transition into doing this full time. So thanks either punk or harley <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about that you mentioned a kickstarter and how you were able to quit your day job to go into this did you have any apprehension when you first did the kickstarter and then seeing the reaction from everyone did you still have apprehension about okay should i quit my day job should i really go into this full time i know a lot of people when they start a small business and they want to go into it full time there is that apprehension like am i going to fail are people still going to love my art did you have any of that to an extent like this was years and years before I started therapy. So like imposter syndrome was really deep for me there. And, and also uh, a lot of like attachment damages from childhood and the like of people not caring about me, like 
that, you know, ballooning out to doing this as well. But really, from what I remember at the time, the fear was having to continue to have a day job Mm. was worse for me. I didn't have the luxury of going to college at every job I had was like the most competent, most experienced person, yeah. but didn't have that piece of paper. So I could only go so far. And right. I, I got tired of training my bosses. You know, uh, I got tired of training people that were <laughs> less good, less qualified than me and having them go on to better success. And, mm-hmm. and also I just wanted to be in charge of myself, you know? Uh, so those were the things like I was more concerned about, but also yes, to an extent, I didn't want to fail in front of like certain eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I didn't have a following or anything yet. Like this is what led to that. Right. But I had just stepped away from comics because like I realized I didn't have the skills to do that and to f- essentially fail another way. I just, I, I didn't allow that for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I only planned for success. Tell me about the moment when WWE reached out to you. What was that initial contact like and what were your emotions? It was about a year after the Kickstarter. Like I had had good success and it made a lot of ripples at the time within the the wrestling space. So I know I was on their radar. You know, like anyone that's making money in wrestling, they're going to pay attention to that. Right. Like, you know, they, they have a fiscal duty to do so. But I was doing really well online, but I knew I needed to get people to see the paintings in person. So I was out on the road a lot, doing a lot of shows. And uh, at a museum event, I met Jim Ross and Jerry Briscoe, and they were really impressed and wanted to get things going for me on the spot. And I actually told them I'm not ready yet. Like I needed to get a few things in place. I don't know if that was solid career advice or not, but I needed to get a couple uh, business side of things into place before for what I wanted to do with WWE. And then at Cauliflower Alley Club reunion out in Las Vegas, I met Ben Brown, the archivist for WWE. Like if you watch that Lost Treasure show, he's the guy that runs the warehouse. Oh, awesome. The the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And he's also, well, at the time, I don't don't know. There's been so many shakeups since, but he was Triple H's right-hand man. So SmackDown was coming to Kansas City where I live and I reached out to Jim asking if he could pass my information along because I wanted to do a Make-A-Wish fundraiser gallery show with all of the proceeds uh, going to fully adopt a kid's wish. And Jim did that. And like WWE was awesome about it. Like Triple H tweeted out about the event. It was really cool. But beyond that, he had also called Ben to pass along and and said, like, we need to start actually working with this guy. So then I got and Ben was familiar with me and went to to Paul Triple H and and said like hey like yeah I agree we should be working with this dude and so I got a call from an executive with WWE that was uh head of their e-commerce so WWE shop and he said like yeah we just had a department head meeting here's our multi-year plan we would like to do with you here's you know like the stages of rollout we would like and you know are you interested in this would you like to work with us <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
like well you know if you could put a formalized proposal together <laughs> to me and and we'll go from there like but in the back of my head i'm like yes <laughs> i did it <laughs> uh because like i wanted to be perceived as you know like a serious person as another licensee another business entity that they were working with as artists we have to really protect ourselves not just for ourselves but for everyone that follows after us right so i wanted to like as the first like full-time artist that they were working with outside of like the people that designed the shirts and the like, I wanted to set a precedent, you know, both as good business for myself and, and everyone that came after me. How long have you been a wrestling fan for? Started when I was 18. Uh, I didn't grow up on it. I think mm -hmm. like it must have been on opposite Murder, She Wrote or something. <laughs> and we only had one TV and as a single mom and she didn't want to watch it. Uh, but then mom got married and my stepfather was a fan back in the mm. 60s and 70s. Uh -huh. uh, he would go like every week to Memorial Hall in Kansas City, Kansas and watch Bob Geigel and Harley Race and Bulldog Bob Brown and, and all those guys. And I was over at their house doing laundry and stepfather Roger was just flipping through the channels and landed on Nitro. Mm -hmm. This would have been like 98. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, Ric Flair in the ring doing a promo. And I was like, bam, I get it. I, I understand, you know, Rick talked me into the building. Like they say, like the clouds parted, I heard the angel choir and I'm like, I am into wrestling. And so when I was there the next week, the next Monday to do laundry, I didn't know there were two different wrestling shows. And so I was just flipping through trying to find wrestling. Like, we, you know, this is so old. Like we didn't even have like a guide for, right. you know, you just flip through and found stuff. So I landed right. on raw which, you know, like it was shortly after Jericho and Edge and Christian and the mm -hmm. Hardys and those guys came in and like, I was all about it, right? Like uh, Stone Cold and The Rock and Triple H is a, a top heel. And yeah, like I, I was like, okay, I get this. I love it. And I want to say the first Raw I watched was the one where um, Big Boss Man tied a chain to Big Show's dad's coffin and dragged what it around. What an episode to watch. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I love this. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> and shortly after, you know, Mae Young gave birth to Mark oh. Henry's hand and we were off to the races. <laughs> what does it mean to you to not only be a fan of wrestling, but work in it now? Is it surreal for you still? Or are you kind of like, I'm here, I've solidified myself, I've done all of this, that imposter syndrome has kind of gone away? Or do you still have those moments where you're like, oh my God, this is really happening? There's still occasional moments. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I'm at the shows at least once a month, other than, you know, lockdown, of course, I wasn't around then. But right. I'm, I'm on like, shoot name basis with everyone right and like i've you know sat down and had conversations with john cena and roman reigns i've uh, i'm on hugging basis uh stephanie mcmahon i'm gonna name drop a whole lot more here but uh like randy orton and i talk hbo shows i've been around like they see me often enough i've interacted with people like when the hardys came back like they were not around when i came in and they were you know, like some of my first favorites. 
So I was a little nervous. Like I had to have, I think it was Bailey introduce me, right? Like, I'm like, I can't just walk up to them. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and we hit it off immediately because they're great dudes. So like occasional ones, like where people were like, like, I haven't met The Rock yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever will. It's just one of those things, right? right? Like I've I've only had like brief conversations with some people like Undertaker. Like we've never had more than like two minutes of FaceTime. It's just the nature of it. So like I, I would imagine like if I was dealing with Rock, I, I would probably still get the goosebumps there. Um, yeah. But like I, I'm on a friendly basis with Stone Cold. So it's not a huge leap, right? Like, right. Yeah. The flip side of that is like, I'm so business minded when I'm there. Like, I don't want to come across as just like a fan, a mark right. that a lot of times I don't let myself enjoy it as cool as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's fun when my wife, Katie, gets to come with me because like she can you know, engage as a fan more than right. I do. And it's hilarious now. Like if I come by myself, everyone's just like, where's Katie? And I'm like, oh, she wasn't able to. And they're like, oh, bye. And they walk away. Like, <laughs> which if you've ever met her, like, you know, <laughs> people don't we like love talking Katie at wrestling wind down. She is a joy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's more a matter of not letting myself enjoy it as much as I probably should. And like, since getting back on the road, like post lockdown, I am a little more also like standing up for myself a little bit more like, hey, I am a proven commodity at this point. WWE auction a lot of months is profitable only because of my stuff on there. Uh, And like, I don't swing that around, but I do like recognize for myself and in our conversations, like we're both doing each other favors, you know? Right. Do you keep a running count of how many superstars you've illustrated? And if so, what is that count? I have not. Um, I. Oh my God. Well, and also like so many come and go. I know I've got on Schamberger Labs, which mm-hmm. is strictly a WWE licensed site, at least over a hundred people on there. But I've done thousands of paintings. Oh my you know, like gosh. <laughs> some are are people that multiple of, you know, like mm-hmm. I've done like over 20 of The Undertaker, for instance. Uh, you know, like over 10 of Becky Lynch. So, you know, like some are repeat, some aren't around anymore. So I'm not, I don't have a definitive count. It's almost easier to list off who I haven't painted <laughs> than who I have at this point. I've been, some, I've been with some WWE of the ones you haven't. The biggest one probably that I never have as a solo, like he's mm-hmm. been in one or two group shots, Terry Funk. I don't know why. Wow. I don't know why. There's no reason. I just haven't. Hmm. Um, I don't know what the status of like, if he has like a legends deal with WWE or not. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a decider a lot of times, right? Like I can paint anyone, right? right? Like as an artist, I can do that. But if I want to monetize it, if I want to have something that goes towards paying my rent, <laughs> um, I'm going to do someone that's under the umbrella. What has been your favorite superstar painting that you've done? Oh boy. The cop-out answer is whatever the latest one is. <laughs> I'm of the mindset that it's not about the individual piece. It's about the body of work that Mm -hmm. I'm making. Uh, Like there's a a story I've heard it attributed to Picasso, but it could be anyone that this woman's walking through a park and sees an artist sitting at a bench sketching. And as she gets closer, she recognizes that it's Pablo Picasso. And she says, oh my gosh, could you draw my portrait? And he said, sure. And he stares at her for a minute or two, makes a few lines 
on the paper, hands it to her, and it's a spot-on likeness. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And he said, that'll be $500. And she's like, but it only took you a few lines. It only took a few minutes. And he said, no, it took me my whole life. The thing there is like, you know, it's a skill that we develop and everything that we do, we learn from like what went wrong, what went right, what happened accidentally that we could repeat in a desired way Mm -hmm. so like every painting i make is informed by everyone that i've done before it so like when i look at older work all i see is how i could do it significantly better now so that's one less fun answer the like more emotional answer is i did a painting of ultimate warrior with connor the crusher that I gave to the Mahalik family at Hall of Fame after Connor was honored with the inaugural Warrior Award. I'm not going to do anything that's going to top that, like as far as emotional importance, I don't think ever. There's so much talk within about pro wrestling that like, you know, like real or fiction or whatever, like that was a genuine real human moment. And uh, yeah, I don't know that I'll ever top that. I don't think you will. Yeah, (laughs) that's a really it's a beautiful moment. It it was it was amazing. What has been your most difficult superstar painting? As far as individual pieces at this point in the game, like I don't struggle too much. Like it's just as hard as I put it on myself. As far as like subjects that are hard to paint, probably the hardest one is Stone Cold. He's a natural blonde and he's bald so depending on how the light hits him Mm -hmm. all hair disappears and so like what little is left i have to get precisely right or it it just looks wrong Mm -hmm. um and and also like with stone cold so many of so much of how we picture him in our minds is him in motion right and um like still images don't quite capture that which is like the the biggest part of what i do it's not so much about the likeness as the energy Mm -hmm. what it feels like to watch them so like trying to get all of that across in a stone cold portrait is tough uh i've I've probably got more misses than hits with him that's interesting yeah at wrestlemania in dallas this year you had your own booth where you not only sold your art, but you were also creating it while you were there. What did this experience mean to you? And was this an idea that you pitched to WWE or did they pitch it to you? Uh, This was part of the initial pitch back uh, when I first started working with them. So WrestleMania 30 access was the first time uh, I set up for them. And the first, let's see, two yeah first two years i was out in the hallway outside of access Uh, you know like they wanted me included but like the floor plans had been drawn up already and blah 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 corporate talk um and and i like i don't think they saw it this way at all i've been told they didn't but like i viewed it as a challenge to get inside Mm -hmm. right like uh to prove myself obviously not for 36 or 37 there was no access for those but otherwise i've uh, been set up at all of them and starting with i want to say 33 i got design freedom over my space and and also to uh staff it as well uh like just total control like this 20 foot by 20 foot space uh, you know they they were like well rob's in charge of that we don't have to worry about that and i was like left complete freedom over it so like the backdrop the table skirts 
the inventory, all of that was on me. And uh, I'm really proud of that. And like this, this last one at, at 38, it set like crazy records. Not only was it our biggest selling year ever, but it doubled New York at 35. Amazing. Um, it, uh, which New York access was a disaster. <laughs> like anyone that went there, anyone that was a part of it, we'll all tell you the same thing is <laughs> we were all trying to make lemonade out of lemons there. And hopefully like the fans still had a good time <laughs> for the rest of us. It was, it was a nightmare, but we made it work. You know, like even then, like you don't know how good you're doing until it goes bad. Yeah. So like still prove you know, like what, what you're able to do. Like if you've got smooth sailing, like what are you proving? Right. But right. when you're faced with like, we were in a, a cruise ship hangar, <laughs> it wasn't a convention center. It was a cruise oh my ship gosh. hangar and what? like transforming <laughs> that space. And, and like, they didn't have HVAC. So <laughs> it was like, there was no climate control. Um, oh dear. And, and that's doing business in New York, you know, like uh, people want to say that it's like, Oh, WWE couldn't do better. No, we couldn't. Like, (laughs) no one can. It's New York, man. Like, Javits Center is booked like years out. And uh, City of New York came to WWE with a big offer to do WrestleMania there. And then we just had to figure out, like, are we even doing access? Mm -hmm. And then we found a a cruise ship terminal (laughs) and did it there. It was an adventure. But yeah, we doubled our sales from that and and we did pretty good still uh but we really cleaned up and also like personally it, it was great because like i had been away for two years i hadn't done anything public and i didn't know if people would even like remember me you know i sometimes feel like i've kind of fallen off the the, the radar within uh pro wrestling circles you know like i'll see like people put up like tweets like who's your favorite wrestling artist and like i'm not even mentioned and that's just my ego there right like i'm not owed anything but like the the other side is like come on guys i've been doing this for a decade professionally full-time i'm the only person that does this but also like maybe i've become like part of the establishment i don't know some of that too like you know like uh when people list off their favorite wrestlers do they mention like john cena not not always i'm not john cena but (laughs) (laughs) i was going into it with a lot of that right Mm -hmm. like uh will people still care and man they did it was it was killer i was really happy with the way the exhibit looked like yeah it was great thank you the the other exhibitors there like 2k and and uh cricket wireless and and folks like that like i felt like if you didn't know that i was completely in charge of how the exhibit looked you would think that it was all a uniform thing oh uh, yeah that ww put on right um thank you yeah like it felt like a personal success too plus i was doing two paintings at the same time there like i was supposed to just be doing undertaker mm-hmm. for hall of fame and a week out I got a call like, hey, Triple H was wondering, could you do something to honor Scott? Like we want something special to to honor Razor Ramon there. And, and what am I going to do? Say no. Uh, they're like, but we still want you to do Undertaker. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm doing both. Uh, this will be a challenge. But like the hours were crazy long, 16 hour days. 
Oh my goodness. And, and like, I had to staff accordingly for that. Right. Like I had to like have enough people for like two shifts each day. Right. And then Katie and I kind of managed that while doing everything else. And so there were a couple of days where I was there for like the full 16 hours, but that gave me time to work on two paintings. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the two paintings. So how long did it take to do each of them? Undertaker, I finished there. Mm -hmm. um, and like when I do live art, I try to factor in that I'm going to be stopping a lot because I want to yes. talk to people, right. right? Like it's, it's a consideration. So Undertaker, I finished there. The, the Razor Ramon one, I finished, like I had one more studio day after access to finish mm -hmm. that one up because I wanted it to be extra special with uh, the, the emotional gravity around that. I wanted to do it right. And, and I, I feel like I did with the Undertaker one as well, but the, the Razor one, I, I knew that also like Triple H gifted it to Kevin Nash, like the original painting. So I wanted it to uh, be the best work that I was capable of doing. Do you have any upcoming pieces that you can tell us about or any upcoming activations at any WWE shows? I don't have any live event stuff on this the schedule at the moment there's uh a lot of uh behind the scenes changes at wwe and and uh as that works its way out like figuring out where i fit in as far mm -hmm. as doing these kinds of things traditionally i've only ever really done wrestlemania as a live event with wwe uh there's things that i'd like to explore with live events more but there's just a lot of other considerations that go into it, right? Like if I'm doing it at the venue, people mostly want to buy their t-shirt and get straight to their seat. They yeah. don't want to walk around the concourse and watch a guy painting, which would mean I would need to be set up outside. And then I'm dealing with the weather. Right. And I've, I've done that in the past. I've painted live in the middle of August and it's not awesome. We all kind of figured out that wasn't so much a thing either. Because even then people were just queued up to get into the building exactly they, they didn't really want to watch me paint then either mm -hmm. um so it's finding the the right fit wwe doesn't have a lot of superstars doing conventions at the moment uh so for a while i was setting up at conventions mm -hmm. but kind of need one of the the superstars there to make that work financially right. and and then like you know this whole like sharks and the jets thing between wwe and aew that is nonsense but um like if it's an aew person that's at the convention like then i get all these people that are like it's like the the beat it video like they're all walking around snapping their fingers right like <laughs> we're gonna rumble um <laughs> uh it's like we're all just here to celebrate wrestling right. so you know like if, if they start doing convention stuff again uh i'll look into that but also i kind of got to a point where i just wasn't enjoying doing conventions i also like live art for the most part i didn't feel like i was doing my best work you know i'm always going to do better work in a controlled environment like right this uh so that said i've got a big charlotte flair painting that i've been working on for about three months that I'll be finishing up in the next week or two that I'm really excited for that. Like that's part of the fun of being an artist as well Is like, I have a general idea of how a painting is going to look. But like, if you watch the canvas to canvas videos that I do with WWE, as you watch the painting being made, I'm watching that in real time. Mm -hmm. Like 
I don't get to see the finished piece until I'm done either. Right. <laughs> like, and hope for the best, right? Uh, with the Charlotte Flair one, especially, like, this is the first time I've really spent several months working on a piece. And so I'm excited to see how that turns out if it's all that different from one that I just spent a week on. <laughs> and I did see you working on a Pat McAfee piece. Yes, uh, that just came out today as we're talking. And, and I'm really happy with that. It was kind of a straightforward one. I actually got it done in a day. I uh, love the feel of it. And also like Pat just signed a merchandise deal with WWE. So that opened up, you know, an, another new person that I can paint. Right. Um, last week, I just did a Roxanne Perez. Cause like, she's really blowing me away with what she's doing in NXT. And I see a bright, bright future for her. Um, and so like someone new like her, uh, I've already done one of Cora Jade, but I'm planning on doing another one. Also, uh, with how Money in the Bank played out, I need to do a new uh, Liv Morgan. Oh, one. yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy painting the, the lady wrestlers more. I came across that saying, reading a, uh, a book on Mildred Burke. Mm -hmm. that she called herself a lady wrestler. And mm. I just love that, right? Like uh, instead of a woman or a female or, you know, it's, it's a lady, like they're, it's proper. <laughs> I love that. So I use that all the time, but like there's uh, an energy and a dedication to the look that the, the lady wrestlers have that not all the men do, which mm -hmm. give me a whole lot more to work with. Right. And, and they typically, because at the end of the day, this is, you know, all a crass commercial enterprise on my part they they sell really well like i always joke with wwe that alexa bliss is my john cena <laughs> like she sells that good for me wow uh, yeah so uh i enjoy that part of it as well but like about half of my audience are ladies themselves so i uh appreciate that and want to give that audience what they want you know Thank you, Rob, so much for joining me here on Wrestling Windown. Where can the people follow you on social media and check out your art? Awesome. Thank you. At Rob Schamberger, R-O-B-S-C-H-A-M-B-E-R-G-E-R, -E -E nice and short on Twitter and Instagram. I do not use Facebook. I think Art of Rob Schamberger on YouTube. There's not that many Rob Schamburgers on YouTube. You can find me, the one that makes the paintings of the wrestlers. And ShambergerLabs.com is uh, the site where you can buy the prints, buy original paintings, and then also WWE shop and WWE auction. We have prints and shirts there as well as uh, prints signed by the superstars themselves. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wrestling Windown. You can find all of our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at WWDCAST. Let us know what you thought about the episode. What was your favorite part? Until next time, enjoy your wine, and of course, enjoy your wrestling. Cheers! Cheers.